on TV, online, and Ognyan Dimov. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton, and he is my work wife, James Hardigan. We are back for season three of EPT Not Live. Who could have fucking believed it? We have outlasted many other shows. Carnival, that only made it two seasons. <laughs> the British version of The Office, two seasons and a Christmas special. Cop Rock, Hang on. that only made it two episodes. Hang on, are we yeah. going to overlook the fact that season one, in inverted commas, ran from like March to June? It was like Breaking Bad. It was like seven episodes the first so, season. So, <laughs> that's better than season one of The Office, six episodes. Good point, well made. Anyway, the point I'm trying to make is I can't believe is that this is still a thing. <laughs> Coming up on today's show, what we did on our summer vacations. I wrapped up the cube. I went on a road trip. James, you went on vacation? Twice. Two different vacations. That's fantastic. And apparently you watched some stuff. I watched a ton of stuff. TV, movies. We'll, we'll blow through that later on. Do you know how mad it makes me when you catch up on TV shows that I haven't had the chance to watch yet? You're like tweeting about Better Call Saul. I'm like, no! Have you not seen it yet? Oh, dude, you're missing out. You're into season seven of Archer. I just finished season six of Archer. How have you not seen season seven of Archer? It's like your favorite show. I know. It constitutes at least 80% of your poker commentary. I understand. It's because I really savor things. And so like when the season comes out, I'm like, okay, like I just got to pace myself on this. And then like I'll go to watch it. I'll be like, oh, but there's I only have four episodes left and it's a long year till the next. And then next thing I know, like the next season's out and I haven't watched it yet. So <laughs> I just, <laughs> I'm kind of I'm very, very weird about stuff like that. Anyway, uh, also on today's show, we got poker news. Yes, uh, it was the summer of Jason. Um, we'll talk more about Jason Mercier later. Uh, Griffin Benger made the the October Octet Plus One. That's what I'm calling it. Oh, yeah, because uh, it's a presidential election year. So the November 9 will be in October. Yes, no November 9 this year. It's the October Octet Plus One. Uh, <laughs> Griffin is our guest on today's show. Uh, Superfan versus Stapes is back. Zach Wiggum will be on the show from uh, Georgia here in the United States, not the not the Russia Georgia, the U.S. Georgia, and uh, his specialty subject is the U.S. Office. And uh, while I'm on the subject of uh, super fans, while I'm thinking of it, can we? I gotta get some apology kittens out of the way now. I probably there's probably we have barely completed the opening sequence, and the apology kittens are already being wielded out. What's happened, Joe? Who have you upset and why? Well, this person may not even be upset, but uh, I I shared this with you, James, and I didn't read it on the show because I really want to put this person on blast. But on Facebook a couple of months ago, I got a message from a woman named Monica who was like, I just had a baby and like maybe this is the drugs talking, but I would really – or maybe that wasn't drugs, I guess, because she was out of the hospital. You know, maybe it's like, you know, postpartum or, or motherhood or whatever it is. Maybe my hormones are raging, but I would really like it if you sent me a postcard. And she gave me her address. And I, I was like, man, I really want to do this eventually. And then I had a little bit of free time this summer and I went to go get the address to send her a postcard from my place here in LA. And the, I couldn't find the message, it was gone. Oh. I just wanted to uh, to say uh, sorry and send some apology kittens. Go ahead. Yeah, because you, you've, you've done a lot of traveling. So you had your a lot of choices of where you could have sent a postcard from. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get we'll get to the traveling later. I just wanted to say sorry to Monica from Facebook. I don't even know if she listens to the show, but I felt bad that I, I tried to actually go do it. It didn't work. But um, let's as long as we're talking about social media though, and Facebook and all that, let, let's address the the elephant in the room. Let's get I'm just going straight into the social media beefs. Now I thought that my social media beef was gonna be with the official World Series of Poker Twitter account. Right. Because uh, earlier this, right as like they're getting down to the October octet plus one, um, my old manager came out of the woodwork, my old agent, and like was texting me about uh, this friend of his that was uh, going deep. And he was like, would you mind just trying to get him some media coverage? So I did him a favor and just tweeted, uh, being a huge sports fan, I wonder if the World Series of Poker Live Updates team knows the guy at table 368 CD owns the Milwaukee Bucks. And then I gave his name. Right. And then uh, basically the guy went broke like a minute later. And the World Series of Poker tweeted back at me. Oh, then I, sorry, then I tweeted, and my timing is impeccable. And then the World Series of Poker Twitter account like quoted me. And then wrote, unfortunately, Mark Lazary is out of the main event. Appreciate the tip, though. And I thought it was like really like a really smarmy response. Are you and sure was it like, wasn't genuine? Well, my tweet already said he's out. So I don't know why they would quote my tweet saying, and my timing is impeccable, and then tell me he was out. Like, clearly, I already knew. My understanding is that the official World Series of Poker Twitter account was being controlled by Kevmath during the yes, coverage of the main it says, event. It's a dash KF. Right. I can't believe okay. that Kevmath is going to try and needle you unnecessarily. Well, it's great. It doesn't matter because it turns out that's not a social media beef, but oh. that was usurped anyway Okay. by the fact that I woke up last <laughs> week to you fucking gloating <laughs> over the fact that you've been... Dude, you're such a fucking hypocrite. It's unbelievable. No, no, you're no, like, no, no. No, but the blue check mark isn't important. It's not. Uh, so then why did you spend then why did you go apply to have a blue check mark if it's not important? Just to create this moment. Uh, simply to, to upset me. Well, kind of just to beat you cuz I honestly thought when, as soon as I saw that Twitter basically said, "You know what? You can now request, you can now file a request to be verified." And I thought Joe is going to be all over that like a rash over Joe Stapleton. But bizarrely and I assume you have applied. You're still waiting. I have fucking applied. I applied like a day after that shit came out. Yeah, you see, so I thought, I guess what'll happen is I'll apply and hopefully I'll get there first and maybe I can gloat and then a couple of days later, Joe will get his blue check mark. I didn't think they'd keep you waiting this long. So actually, I... the joke has semi-backfired because it wasn't <laughs> meant to be this kind of long a period of time that that you weren't verified for. Like, yeah, and so, like, the weird thing is, I was going to pretend like I hadn't done it. Like, I'd be like, well, I haven't gotten around to it yet because uh, what the fuck? <laughs> what the actual fuck? I just wanted to get get there first and just say hashtag raise it. In well, line you with... did get there first. I know, but I thought you... it was going to be a matter of hours <laughs> or days, not weeks. <laughs> I mean, what if it just never happens at all? Well, you've complied with all the things you have to comply with, right? I think so. Like, and that's, it took me a few days because I was like, oh, I need like a background photo on my Twitter. I don't have that. Like, right. I, I like went through all the steps. What did you actually say? Well, I mean, just the usual that, you know, I do TV programs. I interact with people. I often get mistaken for at James Hartigan, uh, which is true, by the way. But here's the thing. I think they monitor your account and look at your account history 
And here's the key thing, Joe. Since you submitted your request, have you deleted any tweets? Probably some at replies. Yeah, they don't like that. They don't like that. They don't like that. Interesting. That's one thing. That's a kind of that's a no-no. They want to see that you're. They want to see that you're. Um, that you are interacting. That's one of the important things. Apparently, I don't know this. I'm just kind of basing this on uh, anecdotal shit that I've heard. But they don't like it if you then try and like delete stuff later because it just looks bad. Even though your motivation is not sinister, it just looks bad. Interesting. Well, I don't know. I guess I'll start leaving my shit up there and then apply. <laughs> try to apply again. <laughs> They, the key thing is you haven't actually had an out and out rejection though, right? You're just waiting to hear. Yes, I have not heard anything. Okay, back. that's that that means they're still reviewing your account, so things are fine. I know a lot of people who got like rejected twenty-four hours after they applied. Oh, okay. Well So it's not you're not drawing dead. Like I feel like I, this is like I do when I'm online dating. I'm like, well maybe they didn't get the message. Maybe there was a glitch. <laughs> maybe maybe I should just follow up. Maybe I should just uh just be like, hey, uh, just had some internet outages this week. Was was wondering if you got my message. Uh, uh, so I, I, guess... I know it's a petty thing to do, but I just couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. No, look, I got like, uh, it's fine. And I guess I'll say I'll spare you from the you know, big old pile of shit uh, <laughs> since, since since you're backpedaling right now. Um, but yeah, no, it was pretty it was pretty fucking tilting. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> I figured the fact that I got no reply. I just got the kind of like. He's, he's, he's favorited it, he's hearted it, but he's not saying anything, he's not engaging. He, he will not get involved in this discussion, he will not get involved in this debate. And then a few days later when someone asks you a question, well why don't you direct that at someone <laughs> with a verified Twitter account like J underscore Hartigan? That was my several days later reasoned response. <laughs> that was the like, type it out and sit on it for five days that's the response that eventually came out so you can only imagine if i had the problem is also like i woke up to it like it was like the first thing i saw when i it was like it was like you have six twitter notifications and i'm like oh <laughs> I, actually but the thing is like i know when it's that many it's like never something good and so i was like uh and i saw yours and then i saw like laughter crying <laughs> crying with laughter emoji Raffle Lamau, and I was like, ah, like just I completely hulked out, and I wasn't alone when I woke up either. And the person I was with was like, "What's the matter?" And I was like, <laughs> "You're just never gonna understand." <laughs> There's no way you can explain that to no. anyone unless you direct them to like the Dublin episode of EPT Not Live at EPT Live, which puts it all into context. I did try later that morning to explain the Thug Life video and everything. And it just <laughs> was it, the whole thing was an epic fail. Let's just move on. <laughs> Let's get some poker news, shall we? What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for EPT Not Live news. James, I got I got a lot of questions for you. I get these Poker Stars press release, but yeah. like they're their TLDR all the time, and they also seem to be written in such a way that um, they don't want normal people to be able to understand them. I got something. What is going on with Lester and Bet Stars? Now, you understand that this question relates to soccer, Joe, and I'm not right. a person you want to ask about anything soccer related. So I actually have done a little bit of research because you warned me that you wanted to ask about this. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that Leicester City Football Club won the Premier League last year and apparently that was like a, a, a really kind of bizarre it was a thing. long shot yeah it was no in, no one expected Biff's it to happen Biff sports almanac yeah exactly and apparently at the start of last year if you'd wanted to put a bet 
on on Leicester City winning, you would have got like 5,000 to one. That's how ridiculously unlikely this event was, but it happened. And because BetStars have basically partnered with Leicester City Football Club, apparently they are the official betting partner of the reigning Premier League champions. Uh, They're doing some promotion where you can win the chance to get odds of 5,000 to one on Leicester City defending their title. Because obviously, as the reigning champs, they're going to be much shorter odds this year. But there's the chance, it, it, tying into the whole spin and bet thing, where you could potentially get 5,000 to 1 on them winning. But I think the idea really is that, you know, it's just kind of utilising the branding of Leicester City Football Club and, and having that kind of connection between the reigning champs and bet stars to kind of promote the site. That is amazing that they're offering you the chance to win the right to bet more money. (laughs) Sweet marketing promotion, guys. Good job. And just to be clear, just to read the small print, apparently you can also win bets on your own team becoming champions at 5,000 to 1. So it's not exclusive to Leicester City. So, for example, if you wanted to punt 10 quid on Arsenal, there's still the chance that you could get 5,000 to 1. By the way, I'm just going to look through the glass at people who know more about Arsenal are still in the Premier League, right? Yes, yes, that's true. (laughs) Uh, and I, I just wanted to. I, at first, I couldn't remember if Captain Nemo's uh, favorite team was Leicester or not, because I was like, "That's awfully convenient," but no, it's not. Is it? No, no, he's 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 a big Arsenal fan. No, he's the he likes the Tottenham Spurs, if I remember. Oh, correct. but the, surely well, Arsenal must be a second favorite club then, because they're like they're but they're neighbors, right? They're both in North London, so they they yeah, they, you got, you like your neighborhood team absolutely. You always get on very well with the uh, with the neighboring team. James, other th- news out of the World Series of Poker. Did you see the video <laughs> of the guy playing with his nuts at the table, playing pocket I'm, I'm pleased to say I didn't. Now, you know, Joe, that I have an aversion to watching random shit on the internet, and I'm pleased to say that this is something that escaped my attention. Yeah, I don't remember who got the video, but there's a dude like at the World Series, like at a satellite table, who's leaning back in his chair. He plays his hands, and whenever he's not, he sticks both his hands down his shorts. Oh, dear. Like, not just the halfway, like, I could almost see, like, the halfway, you know, putting your fingers in, like some people do, but he was, he had had an elastic waistband, and he would just dip both hands, like, right up to the wrist, pocket pooling in between hands. To be fair, James, live poker can be boring sometimes. I was going to say, Joe, if you wanted something in microcosm, which demonstrated what this show is about, it's this moment. (laughs) We turn our attention to the World Series of Poker. We don't start by talking about who made the November 9. We don't talk about who won World Series Player of the Year. Oh no, we start with the fact that Joe watched a video of someone playing with himself in his trouser pockets. (laughs) Okay, look, we could talk about who won Player of the Year and it wasn't the pocket pool guy. It was Jason Mercier! Yeah, I mean, obviously the last time we were on, which was uh, end of June... Uh, the World Series, of course, lasts several weeks, if not several months. And Jason was firmly on course uh, to win Player of the Year. Two bracelets, a second-place finish. He's had an amazing summer. But, of course, for me, because I am a romantic at heart, despite the cynical exterior, what to me is the kind of crowning jewel on Jason's summer is the fact that he proposed to Natasha Barber and is going to become a married man by the end of the year. That's really nice that you mentioned that. I always just assume that people getting engaged is like something shameful that we shouldn't talk about. No, and they've got a little cute little dog that appeared in all the photographs as well. It's a great story. And we're hoping that when we get to Barcelona uh, for the start of EPT 13, that we can catch up with Jason, do a full length interview with him and kind of like recap what an amazing summer he had, both personally and professionally. When that happens, do you think someone from the PR team calls up Jason and is like, you couldn't have proposed on one of our tours. 
I mean, honestly, Estrellas, <laughs> LAPT, anything. Why he got to do it at the World Series? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but yeah, Jason also got like uh, a bunch of mainstream media coverage, which I guess is kind of a mixed bag. Like Bill Simmons wrote an article about it. Wow. I think uh, he made it onto Dan Lebitard's show again, sort of um, glass half empty, glass half full. Apparently, Lebitard just mostly focused on calling him a degenerate and asking if he had a gambling problem, um, which is just kind of annoying, right? I think it's like if you were going to have an interview with like a massage therapist and all you did was ask them about happy endings, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's not exactly quality journalism, is it? But in, in better news, uh, speaking of Jason's and Summers, Jason Somerville was on Canadian NBC yesterday and did yeah, a great job. I saw that, fighting the good fight for the legalization and regulation of uh, poker in America. Good man. Yeah, and so everyone's been talking about all these Jason mainstream media stuff, and I, I didn't read it. I didn't watch it. I didn't listen to it. I, I can't comment on any of it because I, I, just, I was trying to have a summer, James. That's that's fair enough. Um, I was following the World Series main event uh, right through to its conclusion. I say conclusion. Of course, it's not over because they're going to be coming back to play the final table in a few months' time. But to the point where those final nine were decided, and I was thrilled that a very good friend of ours, Joe, and someone who is very familiar to viewers of our TV shows, made that November 9. And I'm pleased to say, Joe, that the Shark Cage Season 1 winner... The man who makes up one-ninth of the World Series of Poker 2016 main event final table is with us right now on EPT.Live. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Griffin Benger. What an intro. Hey, what's going on, guys? You deserve it, partly because I think it is shameful that this show has been running since March of 2015 and we haven't had you on yet. That is very cool. I don't know who, who the producers are, but this is terrible. I feel like Wait, you Griffin guys- hasn't been on the show yet? No, we've never had him on. That's shocking. To be fair, Griffin, we've talked about you a lot, particularly our time in Toronto when we were out for Daniel's party. And yeah. obviously you gave me that very uh, gracious gift of the Superman doll, which still stands on my desk, by the way. And no. of course, we went out for um, late night tacos, the giant nachos plate where you were trying to just hide your dog under the table. <laughs> I do remember that. Yeah, that was a classic. Oh, my God. You know how close I was to saying, Griffin, the last time we had you on the show is when you won Shark Cage. And now we're having you on the show because you made the World Series finals. I mean, why did I think you've been on the show before? I just must think about you a lot. Yeah, I just keep on trying to one-up my all my achievements until you'll finally have me on here. Well, geez, yeah, I guess making the final table is literally the best thing you can do in all of poker. So far, so good, man. Tell us about the experience. Yeah. Um, it was pretty... <sighs> It's pretty wild. It's like it's it's kind of like a time warp. It's really like a blur because the days are so long. It's just like thirteen hours, and uh, I mean, it just I've I, I I went through it kind of once before, going through five days, and it's just like you kind of have to get into sort of like a rhythm. It really is like a marathon, um, and it's very easy to sort of to slip into I guess bad habits or just like or just make like one brain fart can kind of cost you the whole tournament so it was uh it was pretty it was pretty wild it's like are you saying like the whole thing is kind of like playing temple run like you're just yeah have to focus forever until and like one little mistake and it's over yeah i mean i feel like you're just thrown on on like a beach with like 
6,700 other people with who are just coming like fully prepared for this and just like all geared up. And then somehow there are just like nine left standing after just like getting just clipped by everyone. And just, it's pretty, it's, 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 it was pretty intense experience. Do you remember any of the poker at all or is it just a blur? Yeah, I do. I mean, I remember, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like, uh, Sometimes I just get into like a, so much of, of I feel like so much of tournament success is like table draw and I guess poker success in general. And luckily the two like really deep runs I've had, I've had really good table draws pretty much uh, every day leading up to I would say uh, day five and my first experience when I finished 90th and then day six uh, uh, this time around. So I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm really good at establishing kind of like table captaincy and and when I get into that zone I can and, and I'm, I'm getting a good run of cards I can really control the tempo and I felt like I felt like I was really in the zone for for pretty much the whole tournament kind of waiting for my for my dip like when when I was gonna start to like I was always prepared for you know if, if I'd start loose chips and it never really kind of happened until <clears throat> until day six I mean I was actually never all in uh, and at risk for my tournament life throughout the entire tournament, wow. which I think is pretty crazy, yeah. Now, when you say you established table captaincy, are you doing that purely with your play, or are you also, like, being Griff at the table? Yeah, uh, yeah, I would, I would say a combination of both. I feel like uh, I, I, it, it kind of happens organically. I don't really come in with a kind of a game plan, like I'm going to, like, sort of get in the heads of certain opponents it just happens really kind of naturally where i feel like i establish a kind of uh repertoire with players at the table that that kind of makes them aware that i mean that I, that at least i think i'm smarter than them and then I, it kind of it kind of uh permeates around the table i feel like Griffin, the pros and cons of the November 9, or in this case, the October 9, have kind of been done to death. But I'm interested, when you got down to the official final table, would you have been happy to play on? Or are you actually quite grateful that you now get to take an extended break? Um, I think that at the time, I was really grateful that it was just over because I just lost a really big pot to Johnny Bax. And I, it was the first time that I ever really got hit with like whoa like what what's happening here with 10 left like this is like a really big deal like i really just want this to be over and luckily uh there was one player that had that was literally blinding out so i was happy that it was over at that point but now that i have like these three months and it's constantly just like in my head every day it's a bit of a burden to be honest with you yeah yeah i have to say this year more than any other I was actually following the live updates and, and sweating the final table because there were so many big names and so many players known to us from the EPT, yourself included, but also Kenny Hallett, uh, Jerry Wong, who, of course, has made the final table of the PCA before. And, um, and of course, Cliff Josephy, you just mentioned him, Johnny Bax. It's a, it's a pretty stacked lineup. Yeah, and, and Voigtech is on there, too, who I think of course. is regular of the EPT circuit and really talented player so it's definitely uh it's definitely no cakewalk there's no no real glaring i would say spots at the table i mean i think there's there's maybe two amateurs one with a lot of chips and one with not many um but in my experience against playing against both of them they 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 definitely fight for pots <clears throat> they're the kind of amateurs that like that could could make the November nine where they're just they're willing to, to battle with the, the pros and to throw throw some curveballs. So it's uh, it's definitely going to be a challenge when we get there in October. Now another player known to us from the EPT who didn't make the November nine but came close is a gentleman by the name of William Kasuf. 
who first mm. came to our attention <laughs> in London when he upset Vanessa Selbst, then popped up in Barcelona last season. And to say he polarized the EPT Live audience would be a massive understatement. Half the world loved his antics, loved his shtick. The other half literally wants to take a mallet to his skull. You were involved in a big hand against Mr. Kasuf, which we have yet to see because there's no live stream. The TV shows haven't aired yet. Can you tell us about that hand from your perspective, Griffin? Yeah, from my perspective, it was a it was a very kind of um, tunnel visiony kind of experience where I was I was already had this sort of deep seated <laughs> resentment towards. <laughs> of some stories that I'd been hearing about his behavior uh, throughout the tournament. Um, maybe as a result of some like exaggerations people had made also. I'm not necessarily. I, just because I, I, I was made aware of one particular hand where he just berated this young woman who I actually had the pleasure of playing with, this woman Stacy, uh, for a bit of day, I'd say four or five and he like kind of berated her for like what they say is like 10 minutes and someone even said that he brought her to tears and i kind of took that as gospel i'm not sure, necessarily sure if that's true or not so i already came in as i mean i think to just the way that i the way that i am and the way that i connect to kind of like uh, you know, have a bit of a superhero complex and stuff like that i kind of came in already wanting to just like take this guy out and be the hero of the story and I think that maybe uh, and, and it just kind of it kind of played out in that storybook nature uh, at least from my perspective I'm really curious and a little apprehensive about about what to expect when the actual footage comes out I think that what's going to be really uh, hard to predict is how much of that polarizing effect is going to create enemies for me because I really I kind of like it was it was just like so much stress for the seven days and then he just started kind of like berating me in a position where I was just like for five minutes where I, I'd already had this sort of like vendetta against him. Just and to I provide the setting here Griffin you've got a situation where it's a pre-flop raising war and you've re-raised him and he's deciding what to do and he's basically trying to get some read from you or trying to get into your head and you just snapped at him right? Yeah, I just, it was just, uh, he was just getting like very, uh, I mean, before I even made my, my, my four bet, he was already kind of like berating me and saying a bunch of stuff and, and trying to talk, talk about like how big of a deal it was. And, uh, so I was already like kind of on edge. And then when I f put in the four bet and he just took five minutes, uh, I, I, maybe I just sort of like flashed to being like bullied in high school or something like that. And I just was like, really, it just all came out of me. And, uh, you know, there's just so many factors I'm sure contributed to, to like the meltdown or whatever it's going to be known as. Um, but it was, it was obviously going to make for really good television, but yeah, I four bet him and then he was kind of berating me again for a couple minutes and then eventually i just sort of uh i just started berating him back maybe it was my maybe it was the insecurity of being f feeling like i was losing table captaincy even though i was holding the aces i don't know it's hard to really uh rationalize it happened so uh so quickly and it was it was very the whole experience was very surreal to get there i mean i've dreamed uh you know ever since i got into poker of making you know the world series of poker main event final table like literally had dreams about it so it all it, it's it, it was it was it was it didn't really feel real and uh and that's that's kind of my experience in that particular hand Griffin had his George McFly experience. Get your damn hands off my chips. Uh, 
Griffin, um, let's talk about the time you've got now between, uh, you know, the the setting of the final table when you actually have to go play it. Uh, you said it's kind of getting in your head a little bit that you got like this big three month gap. Uh, you're in your own head. Are other people in your head? Are people coming out of the woodwork to say, stake me, back me, hire me as a coach? Are you getting all that stuff? Yeah, a little bit. Not, not. I don't think anyone's coming at me with sort of like back me now or something like that. It's not really. I think that would be a bit not uh, yet in bad, t- been bad taste. Like I think I have my priority. I'm not really concerned about putting someone in the hot 33 on Poker Stars right now. You know. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's been some people that approached me about coaching and mental game coaching and stuff like that. And um, I have. I'm not really like ready to sort of. Uh, take that on. I have some ideas of how I want to prepare and I have some, some wheels in motion, but right now I'm just kind of trying to, uh, decompress and relax and just work on, work on, uh, <clears throat> on being the best version of myself, I guess, leading into the training so that I can focus during that time. Can you share with us at all what sort of training you have in mind? Uh, yeah, some sort of like boot camp. I mean, W Coop is obviously a really good opportunity to get some practice in, um, problem is it's just it's it's hard to really prepare for for something like this i feel like you know it's uh you know i i i think that people always say you know if i ever had this opportunity i would just be grinding simulations with all my friends and this and that and this and that and it's just it's it's hard to actually like sort of jump into something like that because uh you start to worry that you're going to be over analyzing and over leveling yourself and you so much so much of what you've done has <clears throat> has gone right to get to this point. You have to run so good to get to the November 9. So it's like a part of you feels like you don't really want to change anything, but at the same time you don't want to end up like busting in eighth place and then regretting not doing more. So it's 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 a bit of a mind screw uh, for sure. One of the things we haven't mentioned, Griffin, is of course your emerging profile as a poker commentator. I kind of mm. feel that, you know, Shark Cage made you a star, Shark Cage made Sam Grafton a star, and then other people are capitalizing on that, and next thing you know, you're going to be chasing our jobs. That's a very biased, uh, biased narrative there, James. <laughs> I'm very good at biased narrative, Griffin. I specialized in biased narrative. E.T. Shark Cage that just made you guys stars, and here you are. <laughs> it's not like Griffin didn't already have a famous person career before he started playing poker <laughs> or Thank God for the Shark Cage. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I that was really uh, that was really fun. It was so fun working with Sam. I mean, I recommend if anyone has an opportunity to do it, it's uh, it's it's quite a thrill. Um, he's, uh, you know, uh, people were people were concerned, and I know that I was a little concerned too. And I think this goes back to the kind of the the table cap the captaincy thing too, where it's just like Sam's always going to be the loudest guy in the room and uh, you know I'm not exactly the understated character either so but I feel like it kind of worked it was just like we we learned not to sort of shout over each other we we learned how to kind of give each other the reins at certain points and it it, it made for a pretty um pretty hectic broadcast sometimes but I, I feel like that's kind of what it needed with in in the context of the online series for GPL because there's a lot of there's a lot of slow play early levels of these of these things where you kind of need to crack jokes and kind of run some antics and I think that it uh, it worked really well. Griff, are you at all uh, have you at all daydreamed about the fact that if you win the World Series of Poker main event that Sam and Alex Dreyfus and everyone else at poker is going to have to kiss your butt? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I haven't had that fantasy yet, but maybe it'll emerge once I'm like three-handed or heads up or something. I don't want to talk about this if you're superstitious. Are you superstitious about talking about winning? No, not really. Okay. Have, like, I'm thinking about you winning the World Series of Poker main event, and I'm like, this kid is – you're going to be on The Tonight Show. You are exactly the kind of person that will – the mainstream media will want to talk to you because you have a personality. Um, I mean, I just see this being absolutely huge for you and huge for poker if you win the main event. Uh, yeah, I haven't really thought about that, but but you know, I think I mean, yeah, I'd be happy to be the the ambassador for something like that. I feel like it would be, uh, you know, I don't want to be someone who just wins it and kind of disappears. But at the same time, I feel like I was. Uh, you know, kind of slipping away from the full-fledged, like, hardcore schedule of the of the grind of of the EBTs and stuff like that, just because it's uh, it can be pretty grueling, especially being from Canada. But if the actual opportunity arises where I do win and I get to be the spokesperson for poker, um, you know, I'm going to take that on as, as as much as I can. Joe, you were pit- talking about people pitching coaching work to Griffin. It sounds like you're pitching a role where you could kind of manage his media profile, where you could Look, be a I, kind of Sven Garley agent. To it. I, was, I was getting to it, James. Jeez, Sorry, come I, on. I was I, trying to be delicate about this. You want me to like throw to you on the Tonight Show for you to do one of your stand-up spots? Sir, I'm still laughing on the inside of the idea of Joe being delicate about anything. I Look... I would absolutely not turn down such an opportunity, Griffin. I was going to aim, look, I was going to aim smaller than that. Uh, I was hoping that I could pitch you some new catchphrases, like just some stuff. You remember how Joe Hashem said, like, pass the sugar in 2005? Yeah. I, I, had some, I just wanted to throw some catchphrases out there for you, Griffin. Just a quick, I'll think about it, yes, no. Uh, you win a pot, and I just, like, a little something that maybe you can, like, you know, set yourself apart. You ready? Okay, go for it. All right, so, so you in a pot. Every one of these is like a, as you're dragging a pot. First one, welcome to the jungle. I feel like that one's taken because of Jungle Man, you know what I mean? Okay, like, that's, okay that's- fine, good, good point. We're just warming up here. We're just getting started. Soup's on. What? <laughs> what as, okay, in, as in he's heating up some soup? Yeah, soup's on, like the soup's ready to be eaten. Cabs are here. <laughs> Cabs are, oh, that's a really good one. Okay, here we go. The question, uh, number three here. Me woke, you broke. Me woke, you broke. Yeah, because you're woke, bro. Nice. Okay, continue. Okay, here we go. Uh, this one is a quote from Ron Swanson from uh, Parks and Rec. I am nourished by your hatred. <laughs> nice. Okay. Why don't you make like Amazon and ship me that pot? What? That's um, yeah. I'm, but then also you followed up with that you're making chili that weekend. Okay, perfect. Does it have to be chili? Oh, whatever. No, replace it with whatever you want. That's why we're brainstorming. We're riffing here. Okay, we're riffing. Good. It could be the soup from the soup song. <laughs> uh, everybody Wang Chung tonight. Nice. Okay. How about this one? This is my favorite one. You go like a floss and then you take out some dental floss and start flossing your teeth. That's good. I need. I've been told I need to floss more. So that that it's two birds right there. These are really high concept, Joe. And finally, this is kind of like a Netflix one, Griff. You'll get this one. Ready? Are you still watching the Griffin Benger show? Yes, that's the one. That's the winner. That's good. I like that. And I'll tell you what. If you use any of those, Griffin, and it makes it to like the TV coverage, I'll donate a hundred dollars to a charity of your choice. I thought you were going to say if you use any of those, I want one percent of your winnings. <laughs> oh God, no, no! It's like a challenge. It's a, I'll I'll donate some some charity money. Also, Griffin, I've I do have one favor. Um, okay. 
if you win the main event, you're going to have a lot of people be like, buy me a boat, do whatever, okay? If you win the main event, all I ask of you is that you pay to have my notebook overnighted from wherever <laughs> it is. Uh, the, the the story of that notebook. I just had. I, I honestly, I feel like I should start like once I ever get access to it because Stephen Woodhead still has. I should just start getting him to take pictures of it in different places in the Does world. Does it still exist? Is what I want to know. That's all. If yeah. not, I'll just give up on it. As far as I know, it still exists. I messaged him about it. He said that he he still had it. <laughs> forgot to give it to you, James. So I left my notebook at Griffin's house like way back August last year. It's been a full year actually. Now that yeah. I look at my calendar. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I'll I'll. That's that's your kind of plea to Griffin. My plea is Griffin. Should you win the main event, actually, regardless of whether you win or not, will you finally sit down and watch my fan cut of Superman two? Dude, I've been looking forward to that for for a while now. I'll do that anyways. Okay, awesome. It's a date. Perfect. How's that go coming, by the way? Is it all finished? Oh yeah, that was it. Was finished a year ago. I was ready to show it to you in Barcelona last year, but you didn't show up. Oh damn it! Next time, then. Next time. Oh yeah. So real quick, before we cut you loose, are you playing any poker between now and then? Or are you gonna like do what the, all the November's Niners do and try to like uh, capitalize on that run? Good. Yeah. Um, my intention is to is to is to definitely grind some W coop and then do more of an intensive sort of like boot camp. I guess in October leading up to the November nine for sure, or October nine or October no woman or nine. Well, what did I say? What did I say we should call it? The octet plus one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What are they even calling it? They're just calling it the the. the, the I think they're basically just calling it the November nine and trying to hope that no one notices it's in October. No, it's yeah. the October octet plus one. Griffin, thank you very much for making this long overdue appearance on EPT Not Live. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Griffin. Bye. Uh, James, one question I had about uh, let's go into the lobby. Sure. Here on our premiere of season three. <laughs> Are there spinning goes for Barcelona? Uh, they came and went. It was, I believe, a week-long promotion while, sadly, we were off-air, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But yes, there will be spin-and-go qualifiers coming to Barcelona, but sadly, right here, right now, um, 10 days out, you can, can no longer win a main event package via a spin-and-go. But that doesn't mean that other satellites aren't available. And just to highlight a few of those, coming up this Sunday, which is the 14th of August, you've got a variety of ways of getting in. There is a 109 euro satellite with one package guaranteed, a 530 euro satellite with three packages guaranteed. And as ever, there are satellites into those satellites. So you can work your way up the steps, as it were, and be with us for the first leg of season 13 of the EPT. I guess what I wanted to highlight, Joe, as well as what's in the actual PokerStars tournament lobby, is what is available also to watch at PokerStars right now. Because again, we've been away for a while and a lot of stuff's been happening. I don't know whether you've had a chance to see them yet, but we've been dropping these top five VTs on PokerStars TV and also on the PokerStars YouTube channel. Just kind of like some of the best moments from PokerStars TV shows over the years. And what's fun for me is it's not confined to the EPT. So there's moments in there from the big game that I'm sure you remember very well. There's moments from like Million Dollar Challenge from other tours around the world. Uh, going back over the 11, 12 years that we've been televising poker, just focusing on stuff like bad beats, blow-ups, bluffs, and they have been insanely popular. Like the show that we dropped a couple of weeks ago has got nearly 400,000 views on YouTube already. Is that the blow-up one? It is the blow-up one, yeah. Yeah, I saw a couple. It's funny when you see the individuals who are featured retweeting them, like Ryan D'Angelo. <laughs> um, 
was like, yep, this definitely happened. And rather than like, you know, just deleting the links, he posted them himself. <laughs> well, you've got to live with it, right? That happened. You've got to kind of laugh at yourself. Yeah, I think he's big on the personal responsibility, too. So, uh, so yeah, I've, I've seen those going around. Um, that's awesome. I, who's picking those? Uh, it's uh, a combination of guys in the TV team and also uh, Ross Jarvis, who works here at PokerStars. Yeah. I know you've worked alongside Ross before. So we just kind of like put our heads together and went back through the archives and just thought, you know, we put those together. And I know that any kind of compilation, any kind of top five countdown, it's going to be arbitrary. It's going to be subjective. But it also starts a conversation as to what's missing. And just to be clear, these are the top five poker stars moments this is stuff that's happened on our tv shows at our live events i mean you know we don't have access for example to money maker winning the world series because otherwise that'd be number one of of course and that's uh, you know maybe one day we'll all be on the same team and we can all use each other's footage but for now not happening um some footage we do own, I assume, is Matt's new Twitch show. What's that about? Oh, this is hilarious because I'm sure, like you, um, I just saw this tweet from Matt saying, oh, if you're missing EPT Not Live, Twitch Stars is coming up. What the fuck is Twitch Stars? I had no idea he was doing this, but this is a new regular show uh, that Matt's doing on the Pokestars Twitch channel. I think the next one is Monday, so that'll be the 15th of August. And... I, I have to be honest with you. I think it's a neat little show. I love the format. Matt just kind of sits in this very room. It's. I think Matt is the reason why there is a picture of Jason Somerville on the wall. Yeah, I heard he wrecked the, that picture. I heard he had some beef with Somerville and just tore the picture down off the wall. Because Matt is using this room, what I like to call the EPT Broadcast Center, spelled <laughs> E-R, obviously. And um, yeah, he sits in here and he's joined by a member of Team Online. I think he had Andre Quimbra and Felix Schneiders with him this week. And like, you know, Andre will play a series of sit and goes and members of the audience can join those sit and goes and Matt's kind of asking Andre questions, keeping the action going, reading the chat. And then Felix comes on and maybe plays some cash for a while. And it's just kind of a free form show, very informal. And um, Matt's having a lot of fun with it. And apparently I think the audience is enjoying it too. It sounds fun. I watched, uh, I watched one clip in it, you know, I don't know. I think Matt's hilarious. So I just like anything he does. So while he's been doing that, shall we talk about what we've been up to Joe? Yes, finally. What's what happened on your summer vacation, James? Event recap. Event recap. Well, Joey, I mentioned that I went on holiday a couple of times, went to Sardinia with the family, went to Finland with the family. But the good thing for me is when I travel, I get to watch stuff. Can you I know ask you a question about Sardinia really quick? Yeah, sure. I just uh, saw a, a picture of Orlando Bloom's huge cock, and he was with Katy Perry in Sardinia. Did you see his giant cock while you were there? I did not see any part of Orlando Bloom, and very sadly, I did not see Katy Perry. My daughter is one of the world's biggest Katy Perry fans, and that would have made her year. Would you uh, send your daughter over to say hello to Katy Perry, uh, or would you tell her that's Katy Perry, but we can't talk to her? 
Uh, probably something closer to the latter. I'm English. I don't do the whole kind of like bothering people thing. I think it's totally fine to send your kids over just because they'll never yell at the kid. <laughs> but as I was saying, the great thing about traveling is I get to catch up with movies. You know, I'm not a fan of going to the cinema. And I'll tell you what I've been utilizing recently is Amazon's video service, which I'm completely aware does not have as good a catalog as Netflix, but the advantage it has over Netflix is you can download stuff and watch offline. And Netflix, you've got to get on this, because you can't stream on a plane, even if the plane supposedly has Wi-Fi. You can barely send a fucking one-line email on a plane with Wi-Fi. Offline is the way forward. So I've basically been watching some of the movies on Amazon. Um... Watched Carol, which I thought was good. Girlhood, which I thought was outstanding. The new version of Macbeth with Michael Fassbender. Um, Mississippi Grind, Joey. You said we were going to talk about this because I understand you've seen it as well. I enjoyed this film. I looked. The only reason I didn't talk about it more when it happened is because I was hoping that you would see it relatively soon and we could talk about it. I loved it. Um, I thought the poker was great. Yeah. It was plausible, right? It didn't feel stupid. Right, and the thing is that the directors... Now, I've done a little research on this because uh, I really like the movie. The directors really did talk to a bunch of poker players, um, including Paul Harris. Now, I don't know if you recognize Paul or know who he is. Did you see him in the movie? Uh, No, I didn't. Paul is this guy. He's a radio show host. He's been doing, I think, like an AM radio show called The Final Table, maybe, in the the U.S. for for years now. Um, And he... I've been on his show a few times as a guest. He's like the... The like the bald guy with glasses and like a beard and mustache that um, he's on like the riverboat, I think. Okay, yeah. Uh, ben Mendelssohn plays a hand against him, uh, which is a decent him. hand, by the way. That's a really good hand. Yeah. And so they, they, th- I think that he helped consult on what that hand was going to be. Yeah, but Joe, uh, so many poker movies have had good consultants, and all the consultants basically have to say is whether something is possible or not. I'm pleased that someone finally made a movie where they didn't just say is it possible, but actually asked them to design a plausible hand. Right, and these are you know these are indie film producers, so it's not the same. Like I, what I imagine would happen on a set of something like Casino Royale, yeah, is that they hire a consult, a poker consultant, pay him a buttload of money, and then go, "Hey, what do you think of this?" And everyone's just like the way Adam Sandler gets his movies greenlit. Everyone's like, <laughs> "Well, I just want to get paid, and this person's pretty important." So yeah, yeah, go for it. And I think that these indie film producers uh, probably had a, like a little bit less aura about them, uh, so that someone could actually be honest and be like, "Here's how." would really go down uh so the poker was good the one thing now i don't know if you guys want to tune out for a second because i guess i want to because i want to talk about the plot with james just ever so slightly um i was surprised and sort of both disappointed and happy at the same time that like the other shoe never dropped though did you like i was expecting one of them to screw the other one over I was expecting to be too good to be true for well, Ben Mendelsohn's character, and that never happened, which was weird. There was nothing like Ryan Reynolds was like, I wasn't sure. There was something sinister about him, sort of the entire movie. Well, Ryan Reynolds did t- screw him over, right? Ryan Reynolds put the money on the other horse and walked off, walked off with the money. I'm talking about the end of the movie, the very end of the movie. Okay, but yeah. I'm saying before that, Ryan Reynolds does screw him over. I guess, but not in like the ultimate way. Like when it but ultimately I, came. Sure, but I think. They, it turned out they were both like decent people who just had their flaws. Well, 
yeah, I mean, I actually thought that it was a, a very good portrayal of degeneracy, by the way. And Ben Mendelsohn is absolutely fantastic in this, as he is in everything he's ever been in. I was also surprised how good Ryan Reynolds was, because when I read reviews of this movie, they were kind of like, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is completely miscast, is out of place. I disagree. I thought he was great in this. I thought he was perfect. I thought he, he was exactly yes. like, I don't know, we've all known someone like that in our lives. Absolutely. Super charming guy who has all the potential in the world and just can't fucking get his shit together. But crucially, and I think it was Michael on Twitter who said that he felt that the happy ending, in inverted commas, was out of place and felt forced. I didn't see it as a happy ending. Do you know why? Because there's no fucking way that guy is holding onto that money. No way. I don't need to see him lose it because I know what's going to happen. He has never been able to hold on to a dollar in his life and this will be no different. This is not going to change his life. He's not going to, his daughter's never going to see that money. He's not going to pay back his ex-wife. He'll arrive back in Iowa broke and the creditors will be after him. I I think that, I mean, I think that that's a, a perfectly plausible continuation of the story. I think what I, I liked it's like Schrodinger's cat in a way. Like I liked the ending because it could be a happy ending if you wanted it to be. Fair enough. Uh, just before I mention one more movie, uh, you mentioned Better Call Saul at the start of the show. This show is absolutely outstanding, by the way, and I think it could one day be even better than Breaking Bad. The writing is so good, the characterization is so on point, and the performances are just wonderful throughout. So that is the highlight of my summer was watching season two of that. Peaky Blinders, I discovered, which is great, and. The last movie, and there is a relation here because Peaky Blinders features Tom Hardy, and Tom Hardy was also in Legend, which is a film about the Cray twins where he plays both Ronnie and Reggie. And I watched this movie on the flight to Sardinia, Joe, and this is the first time I've ever been challenged by the flight crew about watching a film on my iPad because someone complained. Really? Yeah. Now, you know me. I wait, watched... wait, was it sex or violence they complained well, about? Well, this is the thing. The film does have scenes of violence. I don't think they're that severe. That wasn't the issue. And bear in mind that I don't think I've... I'm not like holding up the screen or mounting it on the headrest for all and sundry to see. But right. the guy sitting diagonally opposite is obviously... His attention is turning to my screen. And what he took issue with is Ronnie Cray was gay... And used to hold parties at his house. Oh, my God. And there is a gay orgy scene in the film, which is not particularly explicit. But you do see in the background, like, there's a guy tweaking another guy's nipples. And it obviously made this dude feel very uncomfortable. So he complained to the steward that the film I was watching had, I quote, an inappropriate sex scene in it. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so it's not that he finds sex scenes inappropriate. He only finds male sex scenes to be inappropriate. Let's put it this way. It was the only sex scene in the film, and I was told by the steward that the guy sitting behind me had issues with the sex scene in the movie. I'm going to take my hat off to EasyJet, which I don't often do. The guy (laughs) dealt with it really well. He basically just said, sorry, can I just ask what you're watching? I was yeah, I'm watching the film Legend. He went, okay, it's just that the guy sitting over there, right? I said, I don't know why. He feels the need to be watching what's on your screen, but he does have an issue with what you're watching. And I don't want to stop you watching it, right? But I do also want to keep the peace. Is there any chance you can just like kind of angle the screen slightly or just hold the screen a bit closer to you? And I thought, fine, that's the perfect way of dealing with it. And there was no argument because you know what I can be like? I can be an ass in those situations, but I just complied with his request and kept watching the film. But I was thinking, you homophobic bastard. 
Yeah, what a fucking loser that guy is. I will admit, though, that for some reason, I'm, my eye is very often drawn to what other people are watching. Well, this brings us back to that conversation at the PCA where Matt was trying to watch Man in the High Castle on that flight to the Bahamas, and he had the German couple sitting next to him and just couldn't couldn't bring himself to do yeah. it. I, uh, I, I um, got on a flight back from my road trip, which I'll get into in a second, um, and I realized that I had not loaded up my iPad with enough stuff. And there, the only thing I had left was the Battle of the Bastards from <laughs> Game of Thrones. And I hadn't watched it yet. And I was like sitting there with my hands cupped over the iPad because I was like, this is just going to be horrifically violent and I don't want anyone to see it. So How I did you like, get to the summer months without watching the conclusion of season six? Because I was busy. I worked like 40 days straight. Between June 1st and like uh, July 10th or something, I was just, I had just, I, I was gone the whole time. I had no time to do anything. I mean, I and hate watching TV shows week by week, but you have to do it with Game of Thrones because you can't avoid the conversations and you can't avoid the social media spoilers. Yeah, I know. So I'm still, I'm still one episode behind of wow. Game of Thrones. So I watched that one. Um, so anyway, let's get, let's get into my summer. Yes. I had James probably what is a break even summer. <laughs> based on uh, what I got paid to work for the GPL and what I spent while I was in Las Vegas. Um, I did no stand-up, uh, which was bad because I was just going on crazy Tinder adventures. James, I went... <laughs> I'm just going to do a quick little resume. Um, I went on a few dates with a girl that had uh, was a for, for, former Playboy model. Hang on, hang on a second. Uh, sorry, I need to rewind the conversation. Sure. I'm sorry to, sorry to disrupt your flow. Didn't we have a long conversation where you said you were done with Tinder? We did. Okay. So um, that's true. We did. And right. I had deleted all. I ha Look, I had to download the apps again for a show that I'm pitching. Actually, a show that I'm going. <laughs> this is an amazing, okay. if not flimsy, excuse. Well, it's not even that I'm pitching. I'm doing a show. I'm doing a pilot of a show. Okay. And it, <clears throat> it's going to be available for everyone to watch. I'm going to do it when I get back in September. Um, so you're, involves, you're method acting, basically, by it, bringing the app back. It, it, it involves um, something. No, but it, like uh, my adventures on, on dating apps is like a main, port, a main function of the show. <laughs> anyway, I had a good time. Look, I dated, I dated a, a girl that was in Playboy. I think it was the late 70s, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> I dated... Um, I dated a girl who is one half of the lesbian trapeze act from Absinthe in Vegas, a okay. trapeze artist. Yep. Um, and a cam girl. Do you right. know what cam girls are, James? Yes, I do. Yeah. So I had a really fun summer. After all of that, <laughs> when I left all that behind in Vegas, I went uh, on a road trip. I decided to uh, – uh, uh, an old friend of mine – was uh, is doing a road trip across America, and I wanted to go see some spots I hadn't been to before. So I went to Nashville, Tennessee. Um, then I went to Memphis the next night. Memphis, by the way, James, better than Nashville. Don't believe the rumors. I fucking loved Memphis. Um, but in Nashville, just a couple interesting stories. In Nashville, uh, I went to this. We were we went all over the place trying to find barbecue. And barbecue is one of these things, uh, James. That if you it's a really good barbecue place, they run out. Because you can only make a certain amount, whatever sure. fits the smoker. So um, the barbecue place we tried to run out, we finally got to one like a little bit uh, out of the city center. And it was trivia night. 
And uh, we we came in a little late for trivia, so we were just kind of playing along. And I went to the bathroom when I came back. Uh, my lady friend was talking to these two guys who had decided they were going to make their own trivia night. And we were going to sit and play trivia, the four of us, and just ask each other questions. Had a really good time. We're just doing like stupid, like nostalgic, like, you know, 80s and 90s trivia. Am I the uh, only one listening to this story who thinks it's a bit weird? Good. It's not just me. What, like talking to strangers and stuff? Just, just, no, just some strangers will come up and you'll have a trivia night. It, it's just a bit surreal. Well, it's, it is a little surreal. And I'll tell you, I'm glad that you mentioned that, James, because it's a little surreal for me, too. But the problem is that I go to the bathroom and left my very, very attractive friend alone at the bar. I come back and there's two guys talking to her. And of course, like my fucking ba- the hairs are standing up on the back of my neck. Right. I don't love it. But they're doing this trivia thing. And so I want to seem cool. I don't want to seem like the guy who's like, why the fuck are you talking to this girl that I'm with? So I want to seem cool. So I play along in the trivia. Right. So eventually we, we you know, stop playing trivia. We start talking to each other. Oh, what do you do? Whatever. And these two guys say that we, one of them does web design and the other one does video production. And they work for the law firm that successfully defended the right to keep the Ten Commandments outside of the Nashville courthouse. Right. And I'm just like, huh. And like, I have very strong feelings on this subject, James. Separation of church and state is in the U.S. Constitution. Um, And so I'm sitting there and I'm biting my lip because I don't want to start trouble. And it's really not that important to get into an argument. At which point, one of the guys turns to us and says, I bet y'all are Democrats. Oh, God. And I'm just like, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, God, like, what do I do here? They looked at my friend uh, and she had a bunch of tattoos and uh, the guy says, yep, looking at you with all them tattoos, I bet y'all are Democrats. He repeats it. And, like, I was trying really hard not to say anything, but, like, when he when he brings, like, my friend and her tattoos into it, I'm just like, hey, man, you should see the one on her back where Jesus is sucking Satan's dick. <laughs> oh, God, Joe, why? Why would you do that? That's the moment in movies where someone smashes a beer bottle and then puts it in someone's face. Yes, except for the part that I left out is that these guys were like southern dudes, but they were nerds. I mean, they okay. were like, they're big fat nerds. I wasn't really worried about Cut it. Cut back to the bit where one of them's in web design and the other's in video production. Exactly. Story checks out. Exactly. And I could tell that actually the other guy was like really embarrassed. And they actually both laughed pretty hard. But once this happened, like my friend kind of gravitated more toward me physically and they yeah. realized like she was not interested in either of them. And they one of no them. Laughed. Shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of them left and the other guy stayed and he was really cool. And we ended up hanging out and, and having having a nice time eventually. But man, we drove along this stretch of road. I think it was in Mississippi, James. I, I'm like not exaggerating at all. Like, let's say we're uh, driving 60 miles an hour. OK, it goes like this church. Church, church, church. Wow. We drove along a road that easily had 40 churches on it. I I saw a fair few of the photos that you posted along the way. Now, I know you're a big Instagram user, Joe, and obviously when I see your photos on Twitter, if they're Instagram pictures, I have to click on a link, and I'm a lazy bastard, so I didn't look at that many of them. But I did see one which was the Statue of Liberty holding a cross. Yeah, that's like one of those things you're supposed to go see. It's it, it James, it's outside one of these mega churches too. It is fucking terrifying. Um it was just it's this gigantic church like you see out of a movie that, you know, one of these 
pastors runs and they just have like yeah and there's a there's like a not life not like uh to scale but there's like a fairly huge statue of liberty and it says something on it to, and it's holding the cross and it says something on it like return america to jesus or something so obviously my caption was also and don't forget to return those vhs tapes <laughs> um James, I went to this awesome hotel in Memphis. Not that I think you'll ever find yourself there, but there's this hotel in Memphis, and all I could do is I actually thought about your daughter a bunch because it's called the Peabody Hotel. And back in the day, like when when duck hunting was a thing, and you could use uh, live bait. This one day, like a bunch of hunters brought some ducks into the hotel, and the ducks ended up living in the fountain. Oh, and cool. So now they have this tradition where every day at eleven and five p.m., eleven a.m. and five p.m. Uh, the, the lobby is just full of children and they pick two kids out of the crowd to go up to the roof where the ducks live. They march them across the roof, down the elevator. <laughs> and then at exactly 11 a.m., the elevator doors open and the kids lead these ducks out down through the lobby and into the fountain of the hotel. You say that I'm unlikely to find myself in Memphis. To be honest with you, Nashville, Memphis are two places in the world that I do want to see. And if we ever did a trip there, I'm 100% going to this hotel. It's so cool. Like, I couldn't believe it. And you know what it's like? Like, you think you're, I mean, maybe you don't, but like, you think you're above it, right? Like, you're yeah. like too cool for this kind of thing. And then you see these like ducks marching with children leading them. And it's like the cutest thing you've ever seen. So, during this time that you were visiting all these various places, um, you seem to be kind of incommunicado. You seem to be off the radar to a certain degree. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, like, th- turns out whatever cell phone provider I have, um, doesn't really work that well in the yeah. Bible Belt. Or maybe I have like this this sinner plan. I'd send you an iMessage, and you know you get the little thing where it says delivered. Sometimes it'd be five fucking hours before it finally sent you the message. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, it's because I was like, you know how you get that like E on your phone? Yeah. I was on E most of the time. Oh. And then even if I what like, which the internet like data still works sometimes on the E, but then also it would only work if I was E and had full bars. It was actually pretty annoying, especially because part of the reason I went on this trip, I was like, well, I can get a lot of tweeting and stuff done. You know, a lot of social media, just <laughs> Snapchat, a bunch of stuff. Now, one thing I will say, James, is that I've taken to Snapchat. Yep. And so a lot of my posts now that maybe I would do on Twitter, I've been doing on Snapchat instead. So that's, that's part of it. I don't know. I'm trying to be across all the social media but it's so it's such a fucking lot of work well you bring up snapchat we're actually going to be experimenting a little bit with snapchat during ept barcelona but we'll talk about that on next week's show uh which is the ept barcelona preview show right now we are going to test uh the internet connection of our own and see if we can go to the united states and give one of our loyal listeners the chance to win some prizes one of them loves the ept knows it inside out and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Well, this week, Georgia's on my mind, and I'm not talking about my girlfriend of 30 years ago. I'm talking about the state of Georgia, where a gentleman by the name of Zach Wiggum resides. He's this week's Superfan. He joins us on the line. Greeting, Zach. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hi, Zach. Hey, <laughs> Zach, you know that uh, Georgia was like one of the only hick states I didn't visit last week. And do you resent that comment? Uh, No, I hear it a lot, actually. But I was keeping track of you through your Snapchat. So I, I kind of noticed you didn't come through. 
Yeah, we. Uh, the person I was traveling with uh, went to Georgia before I got oh. to her. So. Well, I'm going to make up for it because I have been to the state of Georgia. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, my wife used to work for CNN, so we we visited there back in the year 2000. And apart from some excessively hot weather in the world of Coca-Cola, where they offer a, a variety of disgusting concoctions that never went to market, I don't even remember much about the trip, to be honest. Well, honestly, Georgia really doesn't offer that much more, so <laughs> you didn't miss much. They got some great biscuits in Georgia. I had some of those when I was there last time. They did. You got to have the gravy with them, though. You know. Oh, I did it right. Don't you worry. Now, at this point, Zach, Joe, Joe normally quotes the movie Kindergarten Cop, but I'm actually going to quote the uh, English remake, which was Reception Year Constable, where the man asked, hello, no, hello, hello. No, no, no. Who is that is, a joke? Who is your father and what profession is he in? James, is uh, that a real movie? Of course it's not a real movie. Come oh, on. That's Good job. Sorry. Do, what, do you actually want to know what my, who my dad is and what is no, he doing? No, or what no, do I no, do? no. It's, 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 it's just a line that Joe uses to try and elicit information about the superfan. We want to know a bit more about you, Zach. What's your life oh. about? Oh, well, right now I'm just finishing up college right now, and I'm actually a, um, a TD for, I guess y'all would call it like a pub league, uh, cool. like a pub poker league or whatever. We like so, pub that's- leagues. That's awesome. Is it hard being a poker fan in America? Like, I feel like we're really on not too many people's radars, um, you know, who are not from, especially states that don't really have a lot of poker going on. Yeah, like, uh, in Georgia, it's kind of hard, but luckily I live uh, close to North Carolina where they have casinos and it's legal up there. So there kind of is a, a poker culture where I am. That's good. And how do you, like, how, how'd you come on, get onto the EPT? I was just going through YouTube one day looking for poker videos and stumbled across, I think it was EPT 10, I think. And since then, I pretty much watched everything y'all have on YouTube. You sure you didn't stumble across James Hardigan's um, verified Twitter profile? That's not what got you into the EPT? (laughs) (laughs) I may or may not have stumbled across the hashtag EPT not live. Yeah, well, we're happy to have you, buddy. Absolutely. Now, obviously, Zach, I'm going to make an assumption, which is probably an accurate assumption, that you do not currently have a real money PokerStars account. I do not. Yeah. Now, the problem there is means you can't play for a 27 euro step C ticket. And I'm not going to lie to you. This show has a meager budget and I pretty much spent all of it in the first six months of the year. So basically, when we get to Barcelona, I'm going to have to steal something from the prize allocation for EPT Live and reallocate it to this particular episode of the podcast. So you are playing for a prize. I just can't tell you what it is yet because I haven't seen it. That's actually pretty exciting. (laughs) I can't (laughs) complain. Excellent. And the specialist subject, your uh, what you claim to be an expert in, is the US version of The Office. Yes. I have never seen the show. Joe, I assume you've watched it all. Actually, yeah. I just watched the entire series like over the last year. Oh. Um, shit. Yeah, last last year. Well, no, but don't don't worry, Zach. Um, you know what my memory is like. Yeah, so I mean, th- the weird thing is, so I did really enjoy the show and blew through it pretty quickly, like nine seasons of it. Um, but I will say that it was kind of like my go-to, like drunk show. Like I would come home drunk and like just like eat a pizza while I watched it. So I'm not sure how great my recall is going to be. But yes, I just finished it, like in Vegas. This like last month, I finished it. So. And uh, it was really cool. I, I started it with a girlfriend, and she happened to be in Vegas at the, t- at the time. And we, we finished it. We're exes now, but we finished it together. 
I, I appreciate you're obviously a fan of this show, Zach, and I, d I don't want to insult you, but I watched three episodes and just couldn't bear it. That James, means you're a you're a damn fool. This show honestly blows the English version of it out of the water. Well, I may revisit it one day because it also comes recommended by Alan in the office, not bald Alan, the other one, new Alan, and he has compiled this quiz: ten questions, five questions each, multiple choice about the U.S. version of The Office. Zach, you're our guest, you're our super fan, and you have the choice of whether to take the odd questions or the even questions. In other words, would you like to go first or second? I'd like to go first, James. Superfan versus Stakes. Okay, here's question one for you, Zach. In the episode Basketball, the office workers and warehouse workers play a game of basketball to decide which group has to work on a Saturday. After the game, one of the office workers is shown continuously making shots. Which employee is it? Your choices are... Oscar Martinez, Toby Flenderson, Phyllis Lappin, or Kevin Malone? Uh, it's uh, Kevin. It is Kevin, and you're on the board. One point. Joe, your first question, which is question two of the quiz. In the episode... I hate it when I know the, the one that Zach just got, because what are the chances I'll know two in a row? Like, none. <laughs> no, don't do yourself, do yourself short. In the episode Job Fair... Jim, Andy, and Kevin go golfing with a prospective client. Andy is incensed when he sees the clients wearing a shirt with the name of which college on it. Is it Columbia University, Harvard University, Dartmouth College, or Syracuse University? Andy was a big Cornell guy, so he would be upset at another Ivy League school, so I'm going to go with Harvard. And you would be wrong. The answer was Dartmouth College. Damn. 1-0 to Zach as we move on to question three. In the injury, Zach, Michael burns his foot with his George Foreman grill. What does he make a cast with? Is it a paper box, duct tape, bubble wrap, or tube socks? It, it's a uh, bubble wrap. It is indeed, and it's 2-0. Joe, get on the board. Come on. What is the exclusive club that Pam, Oscar, and Toby establish in the episode Branch Wars? Is it the No Michaels Club? The Finer Things Club, Beat Tasters, or the Scranton Book Club? The Finer Things Club. You score a point, Mr. Stapleton. <sighs> Zach, you still lead as we move on to question five. By the end of season five, how many different receptionists had there been at Dunder Mifflin Scranton? Three, six, five, or four? Or I could have just done that in order. Three, four, <laughs> five, or six? Um, I'm going to go with four. The answer was actually five. And I have them for reference, just in case you wanted to question me. Pam Beasley, Kevin Malone, Ryan Howard, Kelly, Erin Hannon, and Ronnie. Yeah. Joe, wow. your question. In Ronnie. customer survey... Kelly Kapoor sabotages Jim and Dwight's customer surveys because they did not attend a party she threw. Kelly threw the party to watch which show? Dancing? The Oscars. Do you want the options or are you just going to shout out Oscars? I'll take the options. Just in case. <laughs> Dancing with the Stars, American Idol, America's Got Talent, or the Oscars? The Oscars. It was America's Got Talent. In fact, the option that was given to me was Survivor. I changed it to the Oscars just to piss you off. <laughs> that kind of seems unfair. That's aggressive. <laughs> Who started the fire, Zach? 
Was it Ryan, Angela, Jim, or Meredith? Ryan. It was, and it's now 3-1. Joe, I'm back on your side because Zach's moved ahead by enough of a margin that I don't care if you score points now. What is Dwight Schrute's middle name? Robert, Kurt, Oliver, or John? Kurt. It is. It's 3-2. See, we like it when we're close. Zach, your final question. In Surprise, you even included the right answer for me that time. In what episode does Jim propose to Pam? Weight loss, company picnic, goodbye Toby, or the job? Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the job. It was weight loss. So here's the deal, Joe. If you can get your final question correct, it's a tied game and we go to the tiebreaker. In Diversity Day, workers in the office undergo a training program on diversity. Why? Is it because Jim requested it to annoy his co-workers? There's not enough racial diversity among the workers in the office. Michael upset his workers attempting to recreate a Chris Rock comedy routine. Or Michael arranged it after watching the film Boys in the Hood. The Chris Rock comedy routine. It is, which means it's a tied game, which means we have one last question. It is not going to be multiple choice unless someone doesn't know the answer joe if you know the answer shout joe zach if you know the answer shout zach and i will come to you that's your buzz i want i want zach zach i'm gonna let you go first regardless in the episode scott's tots what does michael give the children instead of supplying them with college funds Uh, I'm a shot in the dark. Uh, reams of paper. Incorrect, Joe. Do you know? Man, that's exactly what I was gonna guess. Um, post-it notes. Incorrect. So now I will give you the four options. And again, whoever knows the answer, shout your name. The four options are twenty dollars each. Unpaid internships at Dunder Mifflin. Zach. Go for it, Zach. Is it unpaid internships at Dunder Mifflin? It's not. Oh. I will now complete the options. <laughs> A DVD copy of his movie Threat Level Midnight or laptop batteries. Zach. You can't have a second guess, Zach. <laughs> it was worth a draw. Joe, do you know uh, the answer? Laptop batteries. It is. And that means, Joe, you have finally <laughs> claimed victory in a game of Superfan versus State for what seems like the first time since 2014, even though the show wasn't even running in 2014. I'm sorry, Zach, but the good news is, A, we save a piece of merchandise to give away at EPT Barcelona, but also you do still get the Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt as a consolation prize, as our thank you for appearing on the show. And let's be honest, that's what you really wanted. <laughs> of course it is. That's more than enough, guys. I appreciate it. Zach, thank you very much indeed. All right, guys, that is all the time we've got for this, the season three premiere of EPT Not Live. Next time, I am in England. I it am back. feels like an eternity since I last saw you. It has been. I guess that's kind of how it's going to be now every uh, every month and a half or so. I guess it won't be as long as this particular trip. I mean, what but, was uh, it? Monaco? Straight after the EPT Grand Final? I guess so. What's it, it's been like three months. Yeah. This is the longest break we've had from each other for, the for I'd say, four years. And I think it really showed in today's <laughs> episode. 
Uh, next week is also the Barcelona preview show. And uh, I think between now and the next show, me and James and Matt and Francine and a bunch of other folks are probably going to be at karaoke. Yeah, I love your request to find some royalty-free music so we can try and include some footage when we do the Envision podcast in Barcelona. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. Uh, <laughs> ba black sheep. Uh, do they even have those on karaoke machines? Not, I've never looked. They've got to have something. Isn't Somewhere Over the Rainbow royalty-free at this point? Surely not. All right. Well, we'll find. I'm sure we can find something. What? If, I tell so, you what, Joe. If you want to spend, race. if you want to spend your week researching royalty-free music, be my guest. And you know what I just realized is that I do. I you know I owe the audience the the shirt off thing, right? That was my deal. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you've so, been you've been getting fit and in shape and working out and eating good. Ish. You know the five days driving through the Bible Belt. You know, eating a fried peanut butter and banana sandwich at Graceland probably wasn't exactly no. part of the plan. But maybe I can just do some shirt off karaoke and that will uh, that will suffice. Oh, no, 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 no. You're not doing it in a darkened room where no one can see anything. This is going to be on the well-lit stage in Barcelona at the end of August. But yeah, next week we'll talk about like what tournaments are taking place, our live streaming plans, the free rolls we've got. The bonus free rolls we're going to be running and all the other gubbins that's going to be happening uh, when we bring you the start of season 13. Not that long to go. 22nd of August is when EPC Live starts. Excellent. Woo! Is that the, yes, I need money and I need it now? Um, That is, I'm not going to lie. That's (laughs) part of it. However, I am, uh, I feel, I really do genuinely feel like reinvigorated and like actually looking forward to calling some poker action that's good um yeah we'll get into that more next week barcelona preview show we'll talk about it uh that is all the time we've got for this week's show until next week in the barcelona preview for james hardigan i'm joe stapleton smell you later